0: Welcome to the Triage Method Podcast with me, Gary McGowan, and my co-host, Mr. Patrick Farrell. Just to let you guys know, remind you, to make sure you're informed, we do currently have coaching spaces available. So if you listen to this podcast and you're thinking, you know what, I wouldn't involve getting on the path with one-to-one coaching under the guidance of Patty or Gary, we do have spaces available and the information is below. And this week. We're going to be talking about a topic that relates to both of us, and that is the question of: Should trainers be fit? Should we be fit, Paddy? Do you train?
1: I actually think the question is more so: Should the trainer look the part? Right? Yes, that's, that's probably, pretty. That's pretty much it, really. That's more realistic, and this is off the back of well a few things, also just discussions in general in the health and fitness sphere, and um, but and I don't mind fucking calling it out, uh, yeah. Brett Contreras said in his thing, uh, his little defense of the, the hip thrust, whatever, he basically just called out the guy who made the paper uh, that was against Brett's uh, ideas, effectively. You know, and The the paper we were discussing, was it a Q&A episode, or was it the actual episode? Yeah, q and um, Yeah, so he basically said that the author of that paper did not even lift. He was like, we don't even know if he lifts, you know, and basically was suggesting that he does, in fact, not lift. And therefore, all his ideas are invalid.
0: Yeah, like, for some context for people who aren't, you know, last week on the Q&A, we discussed the topic of, through us you know we were making the point that um like you probably shouldn't just run away with the ideas from a single paper uh, but you can't totally just disregard them and and we kind of paid respect to the fact that there are probably some there might be some issues with translating that or any single study to the real world however that does not mean that like you can just totally throw things apart because the recipe does not fit your career area of what you think a trainer should look like, and in this case, like Matthias Barbalio, like he's published or his group have published a number of influential studies over the past um, couple of years that that you know have been shared broadly within the fitness industry, within the um, evidence based strength training and bodybuilding community, and like this guy is a master student. So, from my perspective, like, I ridiculously unethical to share of a master student in his t-shirt which was used as an academic photo to say that oh we have to call this guy's studies into question because he doesn't really look like he lifts like so, so out of the bat that to me is a little bit unethical but that's that's beside the point here because basically what we want to do is use this as a sort of a uh a jumping off point for a conversation about a topic that kind of comes up it comes up a lot of the time and i would say i've got kind of views Side of the aisle. Because when we talk about, you know, being in shape, being fit as a trainer, I do believe that is quite important. And I think that, you know, you, but the, the most important part of it is that you actually practice what you preach as opposed to being the best example of any one fitness outcome. And I think that's the clear distinction here is that you can have skin in the game in that you know, you, you actually practice what you preach. You know you actually train regularly. You eat well. Um, you try to get enough sleep. You do all the things that you would tell your clients to do. You accept those risks. You accept potential harm yourself through any of the practices that you're engaging in. Like That's what's important about skin in the game. What's not important about skin in the game is being the strongest guy in the gym you know you shouldn't like if you want to get stronger your trainer doesn't necessarily need to be stronger than you nor do they need to be stronger than everyone everyone else because then you're just kind of creating a meritocracy that's 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 not related to coaching it's just related to competence in that area any pick any sport all the best coaches in the world are they the same people that were the best athletes be said in a personal training context your personal trainer doesn't need to be the strongest the leanest the most muscular the fittest but they should still i think have you know some skin in the game in terms of actually practicing what they preach and that they're not living a totally different life to what they're telling you to live because that's where things do become you know a, a bit more of a problem so that would be my my kind of summary introductory perspective patty and
1: um, yeah i'm just going to say that if anyone is listening to this and uh, first of all they're hearing gary come in and out or me come in and out it's because there's a storm across the entire of ireland and therefore the internet is fairly ridiculous anyway hopefully you can still get the message of this and um, and also if you're hearing a lot of rain as well that's that's on my side um, might even be on Gary's side as well. <laughs> anyway, yes, back to the actual the actual Probably. issue here. Um, so, like Gary was saying, I, I also believe that the trainer themselves, any trainer, whether you're an athletics coach, whether you are a, a GA coach, whether you are whatever, right, you should still have some skin in the game. Now, what that actually looks like is obviously going to be different based on the actual Population, you're training the the individuals that you are trying to influence and you know push in a certain direction. Like it obviously depends, right? Like if you are trying to sell purely based on the look of your physique, you know, then obviously that's only going to first of all attract certain individuals and also it's only going to get you so far. Like if your entire repertoire of knowledge or selling point is, oh look. I got myself in shape, I can get you in shape. That's, that means that you can probably only help one type of people, you know, because that, that it literally, like, it's actually, it's actually really funny because people use that as a, a requirement. They're like, oh, well, my trainer has to be in shape himself or has to be shredded himself, herself, whatever, you know? And that's, That's great. I actually somewhat agree with that, Um, but also it's like just because they got themselves in shape doesn't mean that they're able to get other people in shape. You know, so if you are, say, for example, you come to me and you're like, Patrick, you are in shape. I want to train under you, and and you are a six foot five individual. You know, and you want to lose some weight. You know, that's probably the population that I can help the most based on if you just look at the results that I've gotten. You know. That's the only thing that I would know how to do if all I had done as study, all I had, I was marketing myself on was the fact that I got in shape. That's the only population I can help. If you come to me as a 54 year old woman who is, has just entered the menopause just a little bit, you know, and they're like, I don't know what, how to diet. I don't know how to train. I don't know how to look at recovery. Just, I can't help you. I have no fucking clue how to help you now because according to this uh, thought process, just because i got myself in shape i should be help be able to help everyone get in shape but that's that's clearly not true like i have never looked at this population like in this theoretical world and um, i've never looked at this population i don't know the concerns that they have i'm just going to put them straight on the exact same diet the exact same training plan that i would give to this male six four five person you know because that's all i know how to do that's the only thing i know how to do so if you base it solely on the fact that someone has got themselves in shape like that's probably the worst uh, way to go about it, unless you are the population that they are also, you know so that's that's the first perspective on that. But getting back to this this actual issue at hand, right like again, we, we've talked about it before, you have to look at like what does what do certain ideologies incentivize because if you if you say that it's all based on oh, does this guy even lift, right? If you're going to look at his paper and go, uh, like, I don't really like, one of my critiques of it is he doesn't look like he lifts. We can also say that about Brett, you know? Like, we can also just like ad hominem attack him. Like, the chap literally says every other week, he's like, oh, I tried to diet down. Oh, I'm just too hungry. Uh, So I just went on a big 6,000 calorie feast. So clearly no one should go to him for diet advice because he's not able to control his appetite. You know, he's just not able to do it. He says every book and every other post on his Instagram is him basically saying, I can't diet, right? So no one go to him for diet advice. No one go to him for any advice in that round because he clearly, he's saying it himself. He can't do it, right? Now, me saying that, you can clearly see that that's fucking ridiculous to just basically attack him and say, oh, you said this one thing. You clearly have no skills in this round. So, you know nobody go to you for this advice, right? Everyone would be like, right, well, you know, maybe he knows how to do it. Maybe he knows how to track calories. Maybe he knows, you know, macros, all, all that stuff. He knows how to set up a diet correctly for an individual, you know, and you'd go, yeah, he has the information because ultimately that's the more important thing, the information, you know, maybe he doesn't, he, whatever his individual circumstances, he's not able to actually execute on that. Maybe he has, you know, some I don't know, inner demons or something that, you know, he uses food as a, an outlet or some sort of comfort mechanism. I don't know. I don't know the chap. you know? So I'm willing to give him the, the benefit of the doubt. Ultimately it's, it's his life. You can live it however he fucking wants, you know? But I, again, it's like what you, if you were to go to him and he was to say, I know how to get people in shape with these nutrition protocols, you, all you care about is the actual results, all the, the information, the ability to get you from A to B. Like, I don't care, ultimately, if he applies them to himself. Yeah, it certainly looks better if he's like, I can get anyone in shape and he's able to do it himself. He's able to do it repeatedly with different populations. You then have an idea, you have a better idea that these theories that he has, these protocols that he has for diet or whatever you know, make sense and they clearly work with different populations, you know, like obviously the more evidence of these protocols working, the, the, the more you can kind of trust them, you know, especially if it's across multiple populations, you know, and so obviously what I'm saying there, if I just said that about him, we can go, oh, well, do you even diet bro? Like ultimately it doesn't matter if he's able to get people into the shape that they want to get in and he has the information to do it. You know, does that make sense, Gary?
0: Yes, sir. And I, and I think I think that's an important point as well. You know, you were kind of, you know, giving giving Brett the benefit of the doubt in this case saying that like, look, we actually don't know why you don't have great success with dieting. You know, like there could be other reasons that we're not aware of that limit your ability to have success with fat loss. And this isn't just like an attack on Brett. It just happens to be the example um, that came up. Like in this case, like it could be the case that Matthias Barballo, um, the master's student, he battled leukemia from 13 to 18 and started training at 55 kilos and is now 80 kilos. And while he doesn't look like a bodybuilder or someone you might look to be, to be the, the ideal um, candidate from a, a strength or hypertrophy perspective, he could have made fantastic progress. And that's that's the, the thing that comes up a lot of the time is that um, very often, you know, high level bodybuilders might look at someone who's giving training advice and say that "Oh, should look at them. They're only 80 kilos, 90 kilos, um, which is, you know, that that could be pretty successful for that person because they could have gained 20 kilos of lean muscle mass. So if you were to only base um, your decisions as a trainee, let's say hiring a trainer on how someone looks at the moment, like someone could just genetically have better outcomes. um, And even at the start of their training career, they could be, have more muscle, be stronger than another individual who has been training for five years. And you'd actually be doing yourself a disservice in that case to choose the person that's in better shape. And that is the case a lot of the time, because if you, if you only pick the individuals who are in the best shape, who are the fittest or the strongest, you have to realize that in any case where you have outliers, there's going to be, you know, you firstly have to realize, oh, they are outliers. And then you have to realize that there, there's a case of survivorship bias there. Because if someone has gotten to the point where, where they are an outlier and they are successful, then there's probably something different about their case that may not relate to you. And that could just be like their genetic background, their genetic makeup that their genetics have allowed them to get through, um, past all of, uh, maybe some suboptimal optimal training practices, suboptimal optimal nutrition practices. Um, and they still got to this point. So you might be attracted to their training practices because they're a bit different, whereas they may not have even been a contributor to that person's success. Whereas another individual, May have gained decisions, managing their nutrition, sleeping better, doing all of the things that were actually required for them to get. Optimal outcomes. So, in one case, you've got someone who has, like, at face value, they don't have superior outcomes, but the practices that the, that were required for them to get there, like, were really, really high quality. Whereas the other person, their outcomes look to be superior, but it's largely a case of them just being more susceptible to that outcome anyway. And it wasn't necessarily a case that their practices facilitated that. So, I think that's something that is really important to acknowledge because. It does come up a lot of the time and there are many examples of, you know, high-level bodybuilders who take months and months off every year from training, you know, or they'll only lock in their diet before a competition. Um, and And if you think... And in this case, as it relates to actual research, I do think there's actually a lot to be said for Brett's point, if presented in a different way. Because I think there is a lot to be said about, you know, we've talked about it before, Patty, about having trainers who really understand the training process involved in setting up uh, the study designs, for example. Because some of the the, the examples of... um, of training programs that are rolled out or maybe the techniques that are used um, don't really reflect the real world in a lot of cases. So that's a very valid criticism, um, but that's more so a, a research or an academic concern. Whereas like in the real world for trainees trying to hire a trainer, I actually think it is quite difficult to tell the difference between someone who, you know, really knows their stuff and has, you know, is getting great success with their clients and someone who's m- maybe just relying a little bit too much on their own personal appearance or their own personal success. And I think you can start to kind of filter that out because if you, number one, if you analyze or if you, you ask the person questions about how they've come to their conclusions in terms of like why they do what they do, if, if it doesn't go much further or doesn't seem to go much further than, oh, this is always what worked for me. It's what I've had great, greatest success with, you know, um, then I'd be a bit skeptical. And the other element of that is that if the person is you know they're in great shape themselves, but they're not really producing results with a variety of clients and particularly clients that are similar to yourself. Um, then again, I'd be a bit sceptical. And even in the case where you see that trainers are producing results with very similar methods um, to those that they they use themselves, there's still a cause for for scepticism there because what can often happen is that. Someone may get a very large influx of clients because of their appearance, because of their own success. And let's say they take on a hundred clients and they kind of have a cookie cutter approach that's based on what worked for them. It might be the case that 10 have unbelievable outcomes and it just happened to be the perfect approach for those individuals because all of their conditions were similar to the conditions of a trainer. It might be then the case that another 10 to 20, like they actually did pretty well as well. But it was mainly a case of kind of them being able to survive the protocols and do everything that was required, as opposed to it being genuinely the best setup for those individuals. Then you might have another 10 to 20 that, yeah, they get on fine, but they know they're not going to be able to sustain it because the approach wasn't designed for them. And then you could have another 50% of people who just didn't really get results. The nutrition protocol just wasn't doable for them. The training protocol left them feeling under-recovered. They had some pain. The exercises didn't really suit them. So I think that's something that we've talked about before.
1: The last thing I heard was you said we've talked about it before.
0: Um, I said that we've, we've talked, we, yeah, we've, we've talked about it before, but that, that issue is basically goes unseen in the fitness industry, essentially. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, like it's, it's actually like, I'm just trying to think of it from the perspective of an individual trying to assess a a potential trainer or potential source of information you know? Because obviously, like we'll say, we're higher level in this field. Like we have the knowledge to be able to critically appraise information, or at least I'd hope we both do, right? Um, So we're we're able to do that. But as an individual, if you're just new to this stuff, like especially if you use a visual medium, something like Instagram or even Facebook to an extent, even YouTube as well, like you, you kind of are left to pick based on the appearance, you know? And even if you're in the gym, you're walking around, you're like, oh, look, I don't know. I, w- I want to get a trainer. And you're looking at the trainers that are around in the gym and you're kind of like, that guy's in phenomenal shape, right? It, it's it's very hard to know if that guy's in phenomenal shape, a guy or girl, sorry, um, is in phenomenal shape because they know what they're doing or because they're a genetic freak or, which is also very real in the fitness industry, which we just can't discount, they're on heaps of heap loads of drugs, you know, um, like you, you don't know, like you, you, as an individual, it's very hard for you to like critically assess that individual. Right. And effectively it comes down to asking information of that individual, asking them what kind of approach they would take with you, whether that is something that you think you could do, asking them questions about, you know, stuff that you've encountered beforehand, uh, in in terms of your dieting or training success. If you're like, yeah, I can stick to a diet for two weeks, but then I just go off the deep end. Like what protocols do they have for that? Is it just, oh, you're just going to have to suck it up because that's probably not great for you. Um, or again, the training side of things, if you're like, yeah, look, I get a little bit of back pain if I'm doing these exercises. Um, and they're only, you know, approach to as well. These are the best exercises. So we're going to keep hammering them. You know, it's like, okay, well, like maybe those exercises aren't the best exercises for you or yeah, maybe your technique is bad and maybe they can clean that up. Um, But you have to kind of ask about the approach before you actually, you know, effectively buy, you know? And um, so it is hard. But I kind of want to just get back to the, the topic of assessing people based on looks essentially, right? Because it's... It is actually asinine to a large degree, right? And I'm I'm thinking in specifically here of Brett, because like if if this is the way he is approaching information, right? Whether or not this researcher lifts, right? Which again, as we've said, like this guy, like dunno, Barambolo, whatever his name is, Barambolo, that's a that's no, whatever his name is, um he uh Like, again, like you said, he could have fucking cancer. I don't know. But also, like, let's just take a step back, right? This is all, like, we'll call it strength and conditioning research. There is such a multitude. For all we know, the guy trains fucking ninjutsu or something. He's a fucking ninja. Like, we don't know, right? He could be a yogger. Like, we, we just don't know. Maybe that's his fucking stuff. He likes to go for runs, you know? Like, we don't know, right? And whether or not he lifts, yeah, it's probably important if he's going to be setting up a study or whatever, but you know, maybe he does lift, but he's a master's student and, you know, he just doesn't have the time currently to be on top of his game. And as you said, like it's an academic photo. He's hardly likely to be fucking flexing and being like, here, I'm absolutely juicy in this, you know, like it's, it's, it's ridiculous, you know? Um, but also then we just have to take a step back and like, again, assess the person making these claims against this other individual. Like Brett trains women. Right? Brett's not a woman. Uh, Last I checked, right? He doesn't identify as a woman. You know? So are we now saying that he isn't allowed to train women because that's not the population he is? Are we saying that all the information he has put out about women? Wrong. See you later. Fuck off. Because he's saying that this guy isn't allowed critique information because he does not even lift. He's not this population. So let's just turn that around and be like, again, like, okay, you're not the population that you train. So you can't, you physically can't know their, uh, their lived experience because you haven't lived that experience. Right? So all the information you put out is now null and void. Right? So like, it's like, it is ridiculous to just assess someone based on looks, you know, or even their experience in that field, you know, like as in their like lived experience, not their actual like experience training people, you know? So like, I don't know, like this, this whole thing is, it repeatedly crops up in the the health and fitness industry, you know, where we just basically base everything on looks. And in in my mind, I'm like this, like it's, it's so ridiculous because again, like as we've said, like you could be a genetic outlier, could be a freak and could just be on a boatload of drugs, could be like any, any number of things could lead you to have more muscle mass, Right. But then it also assumes that that is the outcome that the majority of people are looking for, which is not the case. Like bodybuilders and even people that are in the health and fitness world, like on Instagram, say, you know, they have such a skewed perspective as to what is like muscular or lean or whatever. Like, you know, like when we talk to like clients and stuff, you'll you'll see these little thoughts come out every now and again, where it's like, oh, I want to get, you know, this lean and you're looking at it and it's like, that's like 8% body fat, like very extremely lean. You know, that's like, there's a, a lot of work that goes into that. And it's like, I don't think you realize that that's probably not what you want. And it's probably not sustainable year round for the majority of people, you know, but because the fitness industry like bombards everyone with these, like, you know, physiques that it's like this is hyper shredded, absolutely huge glutes, muscles, whatever, all over the place. You're just kind of like, oh that's what I have to aim towards. You know? Whereas like, say for example, if you're a male, if you get down to like 12% body fat, and you're probably leaner than about 98, 99% of the the men on earth, you know? So it's like that's it's not like you don't need to be this extremely lean to actually have Good results based on the rest of the population. Yeah, for sure. If you want to like really dial things in and get to that level, yeah. cool. I'm there to support it, you know. But if we're like, okay, look, let's actually look at this in terms of the real world and not just this, you know, macrocosm of the the fitness industry on Instagram where everyone's just posting like shirtless pics. You know, it's like you like the results you get if you try to assess them based on that. You're always going to feel somewhat negative towards your results. Because, you know, all these individuals, again, you don't know their genetics. You don't know their, their drug status. You don't know anything about them, right? So if you base your, set, base your results off that, like, you can always find something leaner, stronger, bigger, more muscular, more vascular, more whatever the fuck, you know? So, like, if that's the way you mark things, you know, based on the, the look of others, then, like i sorry. You're gonna have a bad time in this whole health and fitness industry long term, even if you're just you know like trying to train yourself over a long longer time frame. You know, and like they always say that like uh, comparison is a thief of joy, and this is especially true in the health and fitness realm, where again like you're comparing yourself to individuals that are just not in the same circumstance as you. You know, like especially if their job is health and fitness. And your job is like, I don't know, you're an accountant or something, you know, like you're not comparing apples to apples. It's not even comparing apples to oranges. It's like this, this is almost a different species. They literally, all they do is go to the gym. You know, their day is set up around that. Their sleep is set up around it. Everything is set up around that, you know, whereas you who has a job and you're doing your nine to five and then you're getting to the gym when you can and stuff. It's like, that's like, these are two different lives completely, you know? So, I don't know, like this whole looking at someone and trying to evaluate the information they have or possess based on their physique, based on their look, and then not taking into account their history, not taking into account, you know, their actual like results that they've gotten. Like, again, like you said, this guy could have gained 20 kilos, you know, we don't, we don't know. Like he, he could have started out even fucking way skinnier. you know? And then also it's like, like there's always going to be, if that's how you base things on, then There's always going to be someone bigger, leaner, stronger, whatever else, you know? So if that's how you're basing your choice on, then you automatically must go to the biggest, leanest, strongest, whatever person, not this person that you're like, oh, well, they're they're in good shape for the people around them. It's like that's, then you're only half doing your idea. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like you're only, you're not actually even believing your own hype. That makes sense. You know, mm-hmm. like you're not actually even believing your own idea of like, oh, well, I want to go for the biggest, leanest, strongest, strongest, lean, whatever, whatever criteria you're using, then you don't probably don't go for that individual. You're probably going for an individual that I don't know, is in Kuwait or something, you know, but as I was saying, like it's the health and fitness industry is so broad and it's really weird because everyone always bases it off the results of bodybuilders effectively. You know, like everyone looks to the bodybuilders where most people don't want to be a bodybuilder. Most people want to be able to, you know, run around, uh, do some like cardiovascular stuff. Uh, they want to be able to look good on the beach. Yeah, that's fine. They also want to feel healthy. They want to feel strong. They don't want to be in pain. They don't want to be whatever. And it's like that's bodybuilding is literally almost counter to that. You know, like you ask any bodybuilder, they're always like, oh, yeah, like I'm in a little bit of pain here, a little niggle here because, you know, I'm training so hard or yeah all my relationship with food is absolutely appalling they're like going through these cycles of like binging restricting they're always on their diet off their diet they're all over the place there's no like balanced approach to that because again like it's a it's a sport like you, you can't really be balanced if you're trying to be your best like it's a bit of a a fallacy like yeah you can be more balanced than a lot of these people that are doing this but there's always going to be a uh uh, an unnatural balance here if you're trying to get down to like five percent body fat you know um and then also again we have to layer on all the the drug stuff that is rampant in the bodybuilding style community you know so i don't know man this the whole argument the whole discussion here i'm kind of just like people are still going to base their thoughts off the look of someone you know and they're still going to, like, even like this, like someone listening to this and they, maybe they support breath. Like, as I said, like, we've, we've done a podcast on this. Like, I actually think the hip thrust is a good exercise. Certain populations, yeah. as I said, like, if you're a female and limiting thing for your glute growth is the fact that the barbell is on your back and, you know, your upper body can't support that. I'm like, fucking great. Like, I get we get our girls to uh, do hip thrusts every so often, you know? Like, my, my girlfriend does hip thrusts. You know, I'm like, this is a great exercise. Gets the job done, right? You know, this study, I'm like, like I don't see how this would change our approach. It, it, like, it shouldn't. Like, so again, I'm I'm on the side of Brett to an extent, right? I'm like, yeah, the hip thrust, it's a it's a tool in our toolbox, you know. Now, yeah, he has made his name off that, so obviously he has a vested interest in that. But I don't know, man. As soon as you just start attacking someone else based on their physique. Like you start making that kind of ad hominem type attack, I and mean, I also misrepresenting the individual, because again, you didn't you didn't give his his story, you didn't even you didn't ask him does he lift, <laughs> you know? I'm like that just in my mind, I'm like that just completely destroys all your credibility. It's not even like some of your credibility, it's all your credibility, you know? Because it's like that could just happen to anyone tomorrow, you know? Like you could just do that to anyone tomorrow, and there's no repercussion for you as an individual. You know, basically you use your clout to just attack someone else. And you you feel because you're in this high tower that, you know, oh, well, I'm okay. But like, all you have to do is get someone, we'll just say, I don't know, like uh, get some top bodybuilder or some, someone, you know, like oh, we'll get Chris Bumstead to now say that uh, Brett Contreras is a little bitch because he doesn't even look like he lifts. <laughs> you know like it's like it's so and you laugh at that because that it's so stupid right and that's effectively what he's just doing like oh here look I'm he's, I think it's 40 odd something you know this guy oh I've been training for fucking 30 years or whatever he's been training for and then he goes and says oh this guy doesn't even lift because he's been you know a master's student and doesn't look
0: like in his academic
1: photo uh, like it's it's so so stupid
0: yeah, like, I mean, like, one a good counterexample to all of this is just, like, Lyle McDonald, who's arguably, like, they de- definitely in, like, the top five most influential individuals in the kind of fitness civi- physique um sphere over the past, like, 20 years, you know, in terms of, like, the information he's put out as it relates to dieting like getting really lean, gaining muscle um, the role of nutrition in that and training um, and just his, his general writings on all things kind of training and nutrition I mean like Lyle has never had to post a, a photo to support that you know it's like he's just doing his thing you know in his grey t-shirt and jeans and just being like yeah used to do skating but here I'm going to tell you all how to get jacked um, and, I just, and I respect that like because I mean it's it, again it's not the number one Consideration. And in that case, like if someone is, you know, they, they don't seem like they're the best example of what they're writing about, see how their methods work for other individuals. I think that's a, a good way of people trying to assess this. You know, if someone gives you advice and it works ridiculously well for you, then you don't just turn around and say, oh, yeah, but I mean, look at them. I mean, that's awful advice. Like, clearly, that's not a, a great way uh, of thinking about these problems. And I think another thing to realize is that this is more so just kind of a note on like research itself, like that example in particular of, of kind of using Mateus Barbalio as a scapegoat is a bit ridiculous. If you think of the way that research works, because like that wasn't just his paper, he just happened to be the lead author. He's probably using it for his master's thesis as part of the rest of the kind of bodybuilding research and hypertrophy research that he's been doing. And he has other members, Costa D'Souza, um, I think some gentle guy, basically other people on that research team, all of whom are very experienced in the field of, of bodybuilding research. And that's, that's, what they, that's what they study. They study things related to bodybuilding and resistance training. So, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not like a single researcher is going to be the one that drives the whole study and that no one else gets a look in. So, you know, we can't just use one person as a scapegoat. But, yeah, I don't, I don't really want, want to say too much else about, like, Brett. Talking, back, talking shit about that guy um, because I didn't. I don't really care too much about that. I just wanted to. We wanted to use this basically as a jumping-off point for this discussion in general. And I think another thing that I wanted to bring up in this part of the discussion um, was the like what you have to realize is that a lot of the time trainers will use um, old photos or they'll use examples of like how, you know how they built so much muscle using particular protocols. But then what they'll do is like they're selling you a method that is totally different and telling you that you don't need to do all these things. You know, like I know loads of people who spend years and years and years and years eating, you know, six meals a day, getting to a really high body fat percentage, trying to gain muscle training, you know, six times a week or whatever, but then using their, you know, their basically means of marketing as being like something totally different to that. And I think that can be fine in some cases, you know, because I, we obviously all don't, you can't expect someone to just do something right all of the mm-hmm. time. You know, like, like looking back in, on my own training and yours, the same body, like we've both done stupid things along I did the way. Everything right from the very start, <laughs> especially when you're a beginner and that like, that's, that's totally normal. Um, but, but in some cases you will see trainers, you know, promoting things that are totally, that totally diametrically opposite to the way that they got um, to their initial goal. And I think you just kind of have to keep that in mind. Like one example would be, you know, if someone is, if someone is trying to sell you, I don't know, some diet to optimize your gut health, because that is the secret to gaining lots of muscle. Like some people do that. Like if that's, if that's something that, that they're selling, but you know, that they were able to build all this muscle before they ever, you know, got to, to even thinking about these things like gut health or whatever, like you have to at least be somewhat skeptical of that. Like, is this just a means of marketing to look different because Mm -hmm. it is something novel? Um, or is it genuinely something they figured out? Um, and again, like that's not a, a foolproof way of analyzing things, but it's definitely worth considering when there's an element of novelty to what someone is offering, because like that is like very often how we try to differentiate ourselves as trainers. Um, we'll try to have some sort of system or some sort of dietary approach that is different or that is in a specific niche and if you're if if the individual happens to have gotten really successful without ever having to engage in those practices, then you would be really skeptical. It's the same as if, you know, someone starts promoting supplements and they actually never use those supplements until they got the sponsorship. You know, I think you'd always really start to to question that. And that's that's pretty much why like like we're three three years in business with Triage and we we haven't affiliated with any like supplement companies or or anything like that, because it would be It would start to be like unless it was like my protein and we were just like yeah here uh whey protein and in some other cases there's a select few supplements that are useful it would be really disingenuous for you know us to start saying um you need to buy this you know specific supplement that is going to change your training i've been using it for so long like one of the things i thought was really disappointing was um a number a couple of months ago you know i bang i think it's bang energy drinks or one of those energy drinks anyway they said, they basically, I saw a load of people online posting basically the same ad copy um, about how this drink has affected their training and stuff. And like, for me, like, that's just like kind of disappointing. It's like, you should, there should at least be some honesty beyond that point. Um, But yeah, that was just something I think that is useful. We've talked about that, Patty, uh, amongst ourselves about trainers kind of um, promoting things that played zero role in them getting to where they are, but also using their success as a means of, marketing it which seems a bit odd
1: yeah like that that's that is actually one of the things that like it's one of those it's such an irrelevant thing but it also actually annoys me so much in this industry where people will sell you a product like it's effectively what we're saying here with this whole discussion of you know oh should your your trainer lift or be in shape or whatever you want to discuss this right but they effectively sell an approach their approach now and then market their results from a different approach, you know, like again, like we say, you go from like a, a very, I don't know, lean physique, you know, muscular. And that's, that's, they're always the pictures that you use to sell your product. Right. But then you talk about something that's completely different right now. Like, again, you said like gut health or something like you use some sort of, I don't want to say gimmick because like all this stuff has validity, but you use yeah. some sort of uh niche down marketing, we'll say, you know, and you're like, Oh, that's, that's the key. This is the key to results. Right. And then they use a photo of them. I don't know, five years ago when they were a student or something and they had 20 hours a week to exercise, you know, and then you look at them now and it's like, if you're saying that this is the key to, untapped you know muscularity leanness or whatever and then you look the complete like diametric opposite to what you looked like five years ago when you had those 20 hours to to train like surely you should have got bigger if you learned this secret in the last five years you know and again it's like it's sh- like it's, it's just shit marketing well it's fucking great marketing it's just shit yeah, it's, you know um so i don't know like it's it's very hard, especially in the online world, because people literally, you don't know when that photo was taken. <laughs> like, you just think, oh, that's that's what that person walks around like. You know, it's, yeah, it's, it's very, all the other photos of them, they're in clothes, you know, so I don't know, maybe when they take their clothes off, that's what they look like. They're shredded, you know, like you just don't know, you know, so, so it's very hard as an individual to assess this information, you know, and um, so yeah, it is one of those things that really... It just, it's not even, it's, it's an, a mild annoyance, you know, it's like a fly flying around your head. You're just like, like you know, it's, a, it's just a mild annoyance of mine where I'm like, this is just, it's unethical and it's not so unethical that you would call the individual out or the individuals, I should say, no. out but it's also just like, I'm like, like, why are you doing that? <laughs> you know? Um, exactly. You're just like, ah oh, like, um, But yeah, I don't know. So to kind of bring this back to the actual discussion point, right? So should your trainer lift? Yes. You know, should your trainer be fit and in shape? Yes. Yeah. Like fucking hundred percent. They should have skin in the game. Right. But as I said earlier on, like you, like the goal has to be taken into account. And like Gary was saying as well, your actual results over time have to be taken into account again, like talking about this guy, he could have had fucking cancer and he could have gained 20 kilos. We don't know the fucking story. Right. Um, so, like, why are you judging on him right now in this instant, right? You know, so again, you have to take the, the history, the actual goals into account. Like, I know loads of unbelievable trainers, like resistance trainers, like they train populations to do resistance training and cardiovascular work, you know, and they themselves don't resistance train. Right. And um, they do something like dance or something, or they do like a martial art or something else. They're, they're still exercising, they're still training. And yeah, they may have previously in their past done a lot of resistance training. So they have the knowledge, they've been in that position where they've got themselves in shape, they understand the basic principles. But right now, like resistance training is not something that enthuses them. They're on this other sport hype. And, you know, maybe they get one to two sessions in per week to just to kind of keep things ticking along but it's not their main goal, but they're able to get really, really good results with individuals, you know, because they understand the principles, you know, like I'd hardly look at that individual and go, nah, look, you're not in shape. Like, yeah, you're in shape for your sport or whatever, but on my in shape means jacked bodybuilder. So sorry, you're not in shape, bro. You should at least weigh 120 kilos, um, at the minimum. Um, you know, so it's like, like, first of all, you're, basing it off the wrong population you're looking at bodybuilders and saying that everyone should have that goal when quite i'd say so few people have that goal if you look at it across the, the entire population of the earth that it's actually so minuscule that it's actually ridiculous you know and um, but then you look at like what do people have the goal of again it's like oh i want to be i want to lose some fat build some muscle want to look and feel great and i want to be able to you know be fit and pain free you know and it's like that's that's not Be a bodybuilder, you know. It's literally the exact opposite of that, you know. And this is also again going back like we have to take the goal into account with the individual when you're assessing them, especially if you're assessing them based on their in shape or their physique or whatever. Like someone could be relatively skinny, you know, and they could be the best marathon runner in I don't know Ireland or something, you know. And if you're coming to them and you want to get in shape for doing marathons that's probably a fucking good person to to come yep. to, you know? So someone else looking at it, like Brett, would be like, oh, look at this guy. He's fucking doesn't even lift. Um, and it's just ridiculous because that could that individual could be the best individual for that population, you know? Like for the, whatever, the marathon population, the running population, you know? They could be able to give you the exact protocols that you need for you to succeed, you know? So yeah, basically, I fully think that people in the fit, health and fitness industry should lift. Like if you are a trainer and you know, you basically don't have skin in the game, you never do any resistance training or cardiovascular training or sports, or you, know, you don't look after your diet or do any of that stuff. And then you're telling other individuals to do that. And effectively you've never done it before, or you have done it, but then don't do it now. Like as in like, you just don't do anything. But you're effectively just left in the fitness industry and I don't know, you don't have any other skills or whatever, so you're you're too afraid to get out of the fitness industry. Um, then yeah, I kinda don't agree with that. But I also don't think that we should base our results or our base our trainer selection or our assessment of someone's information purely based on their physique. Uh, their physique especially because again there's so much genetic variability there that it's like okay like that guy that we're talking about here right first of all we're talking about a lower body lift and brett shared a photo of his upper body for all we know that guy has the biggest fucking ass in the world <laughs> he could have proper jacked and i mean jack legs like tom Platts would be like what the fuck is that you know like we don't know but uh, of course, we're just going to assess it on one photo, an academic photo of him, you know? Like, it's so ridiculous. But anyway, look.
0: Yeah. To, to play to play devil's advocate in, in this case, like judging, right, if we're going to take the perspective of a trainee trying to seek a trainer, I think that... The more specific your goal down any one avenue, the more you should be looking that someone has some like ex- experience themselves with that situation or extensive experience, you know, coaching clients, um, in that area. So, I think that's that's where it does become a bit more important. Like, for example, if like if you are a power lifter who squats above 300 kilos, you're deadlifting like 380, your bench is like 250, then like coming to, like, coming to me, you know, I might be able to help you, but it's far more likely that someone like Mike Teixeira or another elite powerlifting coach who has competed at a very high level, understands all the demands of seriously high-level competition when you're in the top, like, 0.1% of the world, like, that's when those things become more important. Like, the more specific your goal ends up being or the more advanced you start to become. The same would be said if you're you know if you're training for the Mr. Olympia, you know, and you're taking a cocktail of drugs, you know, you're trying to get to the lowest body fat percentage you can possibly get to while maintaining every ounce of muscle. And I'm probably not going to be the best person to help you out there. You know, sorry, there's probably better people. The same could be said if you're in elite you know marathon runner you know you're running your 30th marathon you're trying to get sub 245 again i'm probably not going to be the best person to help you so the high, the more advanced you are and the more specific your goal i think the more the the, the higher demand there is on the person to either have you know, a lot of experience themselves or have experience training others because the needs of those individuals go so far beyond what we can deduce from just research or just experience with kind of a broad, you know, base of, of clients in general. But I think like that's probably overplayed by a lot of people in the general population when they do try to select people. Because realistically, like if you're just looking to, I want to gain a bit of muscle. I want to lose a bit of fat. I want to feel healthier. I want to, you know, live longer. I want to have better health. Like there's a much larger pool of trainers from which you can pull. Um, because most trainers should have the ability to work with a client like that very well. So, I, like that's that that's that's a case where um, you're not look you're not necessarily just looking for someone who is the best example of any one fitness attribute, but rather that they seem to be flexible enough in their approach and knowledgeable knowledgeable enough in their approach that they can help um, people like you. So um, that's kind of just a, a way of trying to conceptualize this for the person who who has a particular goal because as I said, you know, if you if you have a very, very specific goal, you probably want a very, very specific trainer who has niche down. Um, but for the vast majority of people, um, that is not a requirement. And obviously this is kind of a difficult conversation for us to have because we are trainers and clearly we have our own interests as well. And just telling everyone that you know you should you know avoid all these people who have these awful traits as trainers like does seem a bit disingenuous. So that's not the purpose of this conversation, which is why I'm trying to bring this up and say that, you know, we're not saying that we are the best option. We're trying to give you, um, the individual is trying to select a trainer, a better way of thinking about things. There are, as I said, there are cases where you experience being in better shape, being fitter, where it is actually really important. And, you know, I do think that if you're going to a trainer who doesn't eat well, you know doesn't train, like I think that's like I'd be far less likely to trust that trainer. Um, no different than you know if you went to to your doctor and they've never eaten well a day in their life and they're trying to tell you how to how to eat healthy. You know, I like it doesn't mean they can't do it. It doesn't mean that they don't have valid advice, but I would definitely be more likely to question that person. Same as if I went to a physio and they're praising you know the importance of physical activity and they're telling me you know how important it is to be active and how you can be more active what strategies work well if they've never trained or never exercised again it's difficult to take those pieces of advice on board so an element of skin in the game it's pretty that it's important for sure but don't let it uh, get ahead of of all the things that are important too
1: yeah just on that I also am just Going to play devil's advocate on the other side, which supports my bias. So that's why I'm <laughs> doing it. Like, you also have people, if you do powerlifting as an example, like, well, I'm just going to state my point first and then we'll do it. Um, effectively, if you were looking for results, what you are looking for is your trainer, coach, whatever the fuck, to have information that applies to your situation, yep. right? That can get you to the results that you want, right? Their actual individual results matter so little in that context. Yeah. If they have results on top of that information themselves, they've showed that they've applied it. Fucking that's all the better. Right. You know? Um, But sometimes that can be a distraction for them. Right. Now let's get back to this. So if you were a powerlifter, you know, you could be like, right, I want to have the best coach for powerlifting. Right. And a name that you might hear come up would be Boris Shako. You know, He does not fucking lift. Like, I don't think that guy has lifted in his entire fucking life, right? You know, that's for for one. I'm just going to put that out there. Like, obviously, I think he has. But anyway, look, that's a name you might hear, right? And he's just out of shape. He's just not, clearly doesn't squat bench and deadlift. But gets good results, you know? Gets fantastic results, right? Or you could be like uh, Eric Helms, right? And like, yeah, I don't know. He I think he did some powerlifting, um, but... His results in terms of strength not great like you know very average in, in my estimation and um, i'm sure other people would disagree with that but again i have an unrealistic expectation of strength but anyway and um, a very average you know strength but he trains that guy what's his name can't remember bryce lewis yeah bryce lewis and it's like bryce is a fucking mutant yep right? so clearly selecting based on, oh, well, you know, uh, Eric Holmes only squats. I don't know what he squats. I am just going to say fucking 500 pounds or something. He only squats 500 pounds. So uh Bryce Lewis clearly wouldn't go to him because Bryce is a fucking mutant and probably squats fucking 900 pounds. Um, and, <laughs> you know, it's like, well, no, like Eric was able to help Bryce get to that position, you know, because he has the information, the knowledge to be able to do that. You know, it's irrelevant that of, of Eric's results. It's fucking so irrelevant, you know. Uh, it just doesn't matter. Like, yeah, it's it's nice that Eric lifts as well, and clearly has done these lifts. I don't know. I think he has competed in powerlifting, has done that sort of stuff. So he has an idea. He's gone through the process of peaking for this. He's he's done all the stuff. But ultimately, the thing that matters the most is the fact that he has the knowledge to be able to get someone to that position. You know, and this is also true again with bodybuilding and stuff because there's so many mistakes to make that you almost want a trainer that has made all the mistakes, you know, which generally means they are older, right? So we'll say you're some 40, 50 year old master trainer, maybe even older uh training bodybuilders. You, you're hardly likely to be in your best shape ever at 40, 50, 60 years old, you know, even with the rakes of gear, you know? <laughs> um So like they're, Getting results, these master trainers for you know bodybuilders. They're getting. I'm thinking like Charles Glass, for example. Like he's yeah. in great shape, but you're not. You're not going to be like, oh, he has the best physique in the world. You know, like like right now. You know, like great shape. Not taking it away. You know, um. But you're just like like clearly the experience, the actual knowledge is the most important thing. So if you base everything based on the results, like the physical results or the strength results or whatever the the, the thing is of that individual, you kind of miss the forest for the trees because at the end of the day, it's the experience you want, the knowledge that you want, you know, like you want someone that has done this lots of times with lots of individuals, you know, like, and to completely counter that, you also just don't want, because I always try to like put this into another context, you know, like say, for example, you are pregnant, you know, and you... Are you're selecting your doctor to help with your fucking pregnancy, you know it's like on the day, you know like do you want someone that has never delivered babies before you know but they've read all about it, right, or do you want someone that has delivered fucking hundreds of babies in the in the past you know, and they maybe haven't read all about it they're not up to date on the most scientific research. you know most people would probably pick the person with experience you know yep. and that that's fair enough but unfortunately, well, fortunately, that's not the discussion we're having here. We're talking about people that it's like, okay, this person has had a baby (laughs) themselves, right? And that's that's their entire experience, right? And then this person over here has, you know, the knowledge to deliver babies. I'm like, who would you pick there? I'd probably pick the person that has the knowledge, has read all the books about delivering babies, you know? Like, Again, just because you got results, like you had the outcome, you know, you had the baby. It's like that doesn't, like that means so irrelevant to the actual delivering of babies. That whole discussion, you know, like in my mind, anyway, you know. But again, this is a a personal opinion. You know, it's an opinion piece. You know, and so it's up to you as an individual to make your your own decisions. Maybe you value someone having walked the walk themselves, and you don't care if they have you know shit information it's like you you just value the fact that they've they've done this themselves
0: yep so like i mean kind of like summarizing all that we've we've basically given points and counterpoints for every part of uh, this argument and i think that's important because if we just came out here and said a uh, Yeah, they're all other trainers, and the way that they do things are idiots, and you should only, you know, trust us. And very clearly, we're just trying to sell you something, and that is not the case. As I alluded to, there are many trainers who could do a better job with some clients than I could, and that's absolutely the case. Um, But to Patty's point, there, um, like experience is experience, and getting results yourself can really only take you so far. You know, and um, a lot of a lot of athletes, elite athletes, like they. they can be very ignorant to what actually works for them, you know, and even be very high level sport. Some of them never paid a day's attention to their nutrition or even thought about their training more than twice because they just did whatever the coach said and they were elite because they were elite and that's the way it works. So, so yeah, there's, there's, there's pros and cons to, to valuing um, experience. Um, But in summary of kind of my perspective on all of this, I would say that, you know, someone showing an interest in, you know, partaking in the practices that they're advising others is something that I would value. I think that's important, especially coaching the general population um, for a lot of the goals that people are interested in. Like, obviously, like these days, it's far more common for people to eat a poor quality diet. It's more common for people to be sedentary, to be weak, to be unfit, to be overfat. And I think that like leading as a trainer by being an, an example um, of you know what people should be trying to emulate, I think that's really positive, and I think that is something that that I would value highly. Um, and you know, some people don't think that's important, and that's fine. But that's definitely something that I would value. Um, however, having said that, I don't think that is a reliable means of assessing a trainer's merit um, or their their ability. Um, but it's at least something that is worth valuing when you are trying to assess one's um, abilities as a trainer, you do need to look beyond how they look or how successful they've been. Uh, I would generally look for flexibility in training and nutrition approaches. I think that some that good coach is generally willing to change what they normally do um, with different clients and it's always a bit of a red flag for me when i see I see coaches who you know, their, their programs seem to consistently be the same and they have like methods that they are known for. Because if you have methods that you're known for and that like, this is the, this is the triage program, for example, if we had a triage program that all you knew, like that, that that's the way they train, then I would always be skeptical of that because like, there's that, um, <clears throat> there's that quote from, it's attributed to Optin Sinclair. I don't know who initially said it. I don't really care. But the quote, the quote is, uh, You should never expect and to understand something if his salary depends on not understanding it, you know? So if someone has interests vested, like they very clearly have an interest in particular methods, whether they be training, nutrition, a specific exercise, like if we sold our whole business based on, um, we are the squat guys, you know, that is what we do. We get everyone to squat, then Obviously, we're going to be far more critical of things that go against squatting um, than it would be if it was a bench press critique or something like that. Um, so I think it's important to be aware of that as part of this conversation, because if if trainers or businesses have specific methods that they um, they sell or they promote more than others, then it's very unlikely they're going to let go of those or that they're going to be flexible in their, in their training approach. Um, so yeah, they'd be the, the considerations I'd like people to to take away from this conversation. Um, don't judge people just based on how they look or how fit they are themselves. Do look beyond that and, and, and look for, for other qualities.
1: And just to uh, close it out, if you are in a position of power and then you effectively mock someone based on the way they work, or be, sorry, based on the way they look, then um, you're a scumbag. So uh, that's Logistic. what I just like to... <laughs> I'd just like to close the podcast on that. And especially if you think that that is a valid argument... Uh, for your own points and it doesn't just discredit you Yours come back. anyway we're going to wrap this up uh, do you have anything else to say where can they find us all that stuff uh,
0: as always guys you know you can find us on the Triage Method Community Facebook page um that's a really good place to get involved with discussions that we're having. Um, we you know, post other content in there. We post some posts ourselves, kind of things that we'd be interested in. Um, so yeah, get involved in there. You can also get vo- involved with our newsletter. It goes out every Sunday, and that includes all the content we've posted throughout the week, as well as an exclusive article on a different topic every week, and recommended resources. So that is content that you won't find elsewhere, um, in terms of like we don't post on our Instagram or whatever. So it's important to to subscribe to that. You can subscribe to that in the description box below. Um, As you know, you can follow us on our regular social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, all worth subscribing. If I was to pick one out of those, I'd probably subscribe to the YouTube because you'll get the other content through the newsletter and all that anyway. So you'll be able to keep up. Um, Also, you are obviously, at this point, aware of our services. As we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, we do have spaces available for online coaching. You know, obviously we've spent the whole podcast telling you what trainers shouldn't do. And since we are the gold standard, you should sign up for coaching with us. Not serious, obviously. But yeah, if you do think that we could cater for your goals and you'd like to get kind of, you know, one-on-one help to start to build a training approach, a nutrition approach that's going to work for you and your goals, that could be something you're interested in. As we've alluded to, we don't have specific methods to sell you because they depend on what you actually want, and that is basically the meaning of triage. Um, we do also have group coaching. So if you feel like, oh, yeah, I need some guidance, I'd like to have my training clips looked over, I'd like to have a program to follow, I'd like to the guys to help me tweak my nutrition, then that's something you could get involved in. We have male and female options available there. Um, so group coaching, that's a much cheaper option um, for those who... They need, they need a bit of help, but you don't need the the intense level of help required um, on, on the kind of online coaching side of the things, the one-to-one. Then do have our program templates and ebooks available. So if you're interested in just kind of getting a like one-stop, pick up this ebook, pick, pick up these programs and get on the path with your program, you can get involved with those. And that's, that's about everything, I guess, is it?
1: Yeah, it is everything. And obviously, just join the Facebook group community and interact. We're going to wrap it up here. I hope you enjoyed this. And if you didn't enjoy it, um, give me a thumbs down on YouTube or a thumbs up. (laughs) um, Or just message me and say you didn't like it. I don't know. Um, Anyway, peace out.